97.1 FM Talk Podcast. Mr. Jimmy Page, 80 years old today. Obviously, it's Robert Plant that's singing there, but Jimmy Page yes. playing a little guitar. 1944, he was born. Here's a few things you might not know about Jimmy Page. See, this is going to be like a pre-random fact. Oh, I before like Before a random fact. Jimmy's dad was an industrial personnel manager, and his mom was a doctor's secretary. He found his first guitar in a house that his family moved into. Nobody knew it was there, whether it belonged to the previous family or a friend. But I think you'd have to say that it changed his life, right? Yeah. He started playing guitar at age 12. He then appeared on a talent search television show called All Your Own when he was 13 years old. The host asked him what you want to do after school. He said, I want to do biological research to find a cure for cancer if it isn't discovered by then. Every day he went to school, Jimmy Page would take his guitar, it would be confiscated, and return to him after class. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Near the end of his schooling, Page was closing in on a job as a lab assistant, but instead decided to pursue music. And you think about that. I mean, you could say that with a lot of musicians, what would have happened, but good Lord, if Jimmy Page wasn't Jimmy Page playing guitar like right. Jimmy Page, I'm not sure what the rest of rock and roll would be. So I thought that was interesting. Happy birthday, 80th birthday to Jimmy Page. I'm still so angry that I didn't get to see Led Zeppelin. I had tickets for them at Soldier Field in 1980, and then, you know, John Bonham died, so the show got canceled. It's also, I think, uh, Pet Benatar's birthday today, as she is 71 years old. So, I got a bunch of other stuff that I want to get to here this afternoon as well, but we'll do some of that with Alex Rich, Sue, after Sue's news. Let me say this, Phil Holloway coming up in the next hour. We'll talk about the Hunter Biden situation and uh, a little bit of COVID stuff. I mentioned that one of the stories of the day is uh, Pat McAfee went on his ESPN show and said Aaron Rodgers won't be with us anymore on Tuesdays. So he has officially been canceled over some of the Jimmy Kimmel COVID stuff, but we'll get into that. We also have Congressman Jason Smith, who was in the room when Hunter Biden did his whole stunt this morning. So he'll have some reaction to that. We have an audio cut of the day as well. Now, Fred, you told me, and I, we're kind of watching for this, there's a town hall meeting that Chris Christie is participating in this afternoon, and he's supposed to announce that he's not, right, you're looking, you're looking no, at me I'm, like you're I, confused. I don't know if it's a town hall meeting. I think he's going to make an announcement in New Hampshire uh, right about now. Everyone's gathered on stage, and it's a major campaign announcement. Oh, okay. I thought he was, I thought the town hall was going the on, and he's going to make a, an announcement. Tonight, I guess CNN has a town hall featuring Ron DeSantis yeah. and Nikki Haley. Only those two candidates. Okay. And well, we'll find Trump out. Trump is doing his own town hall on Fox News tonight. Yeah, he's on at 8 tonight from Iowa. Well, we don't know. I mean, the, the assumption, though, is has anyone reported definitively that Christie's getting out? I think AP might have. Okay. And let's just say this. He's getting out two months too late, if not six months too late. Let's also say I don't know if this will have an effect, especially this late. Look, the uh, the, the fact of the matter is, is that Chris Christie is so out of touch with the Republican base I, I used to like him quite a bit because before Trump, he was the guy in politics that said things that nobody else right, in politics would say. And Fred, as you remember, if you go right. back to when he was governor of New Jersey before his downfall, I've done audio cut of the day for I don't know right. how long. It's been probably a dozen years we've done this, he right? He was just a straight talker. And he was probably, if I had to to you know count the number of times that someone's been on audio cut of the day, Trump blows everyone away at this point. But before Trump, Christie probably would have been the winner because he kept saying things that made sense and were just common sense. He kind of fell out of favor with the base. But I guess my point is this. If he gets out and let's say he tosses support to Nikki, um, I, I'm, I'm assuming, will that even make a difference? Because she's out of touch with the base as well. And will it make any impact in Iowa or beyond? We're going to find out, I guess. So if that happens, this hour will certainly report back to you and we'll keep you posted 
on that. All right, I think I got all of that out of the way, so we have to do this this afternoon. These allegations are deeply concerning. Does the president have any comment? We're not going to comment. It's not clear messaging. <laughs> and now, Sue's News, sponsored by Mr. Appliance, speedy expert service, MrAppliance.com. I don't recall seeing this one uh, before, but it was amusing to me. So I will let you know that it's National Houseplant Appreciation Day. <laughs> don't overlook your plants. Fred, do you have a green thumb? Oh, no, I don't at all. Do you no. have anything alive in your house, or is it Marie that uh, your wife it's has? It's all in the front, like right outside the front windows. There's yeah. big pots with things that we just keep replacing because they always die. They're <laughs> annual <laughs> dying plants. I understand. Abby? Green thumb. I've I've got a pretty black thumb, actually. Yeah. I can't keep any plant alive. Well, that's a shame. People, all you need is light and water. Mark reared nothing. Not real. Um, part of the reason is because of cats. I yeah. I've been known to every once in a while. I'm sure, this is gonna oh, I'll get no. mocked for this. No, I've I've, I've bought flowers at the store yes. and put them in a vase, yes. if you will. You have yes. to say it that way, don't Do you? you? Yeah. But then I the, the cats get into those, and then Becky says, those are poisonous. I'm like, I think they're, like we had a, there was a, something happened. Okay, somebody sent a plant. About okay, okay. Somebody, but but about somebody a plant. sent a plant, and okay. I can't remember what it was for. And I put, it was a, we put it in the living room. It was a beautiful spot. And then Becky got all freaked out because the cats were, apparently her aunt came over and said, that's poisonous. Well, the damn cats were avoiding it. They were smart enough to know that. And then we got rid of the plant. It was beautiful. So I guess my point is we try and we fail. Well, I understand. At least she gave it the old college try. Uh, and it's also National Oysters Rockefeller Day. Okay? Now, I had to look that up. Oysters on the half shell. This is what Oysters Rockefeller are. Oysters on the half shell topped with butter, herbs, and breadcrumbs and then baked or broiled. I could do that. I don't like an oyster that... Isn't cooked, but if it's cooked, I'll eat it. Fred, does that gross you out? Uh, yeah, I'm not a big seafood person, but I did eat at Peacemaker oh. over the weekend, and which was uh, excellent food. It was great. But you did not have seafood. Uh, no, I, I did oh. one of the chicken. You, you go Fred, to one Fred, of the best Fred. seafood places, yeah. the Kevin Nashian Chef <sighs> Extraordinaire. He has Sydney Street Cafe, which is one of the best restaurants in St. Louis too. On the oyster front, I'll do raw. I'll really? You'll do, oh, absolutely. suck it down there? Oh. You know, when I was coming of age in Columbia, Missouri, this was pretty much after college because, you know, I worked there. There was a place, and I think it's still there downtown, but at the time it was on the business loop called Glenn's Cafe. Fred, I don't know if you remember that. And it was amazing food from New Orleans. And oh. I started eating oysters when I was probably, you know, 21 or 22 and never looked back. I really liked them. But they can be expensive sometimes. Yeah, they can be slimy. I, well, I like to cook them. It's a texture thing for some yeah, people. Yeah, it is. Right? What, I, what about you, Abby? No, that's a seafood. You're kind of yeah. an odd food person. I, I'm kind of in the same boat as Fred. Like, yeah. I don't really like seafood that much, so they kind of scare me, and I've never tried it. I, I noticed on the um, menu at Peacemaker, a lot of the things were like per market price. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you would ask, and this, I mean, they it reminded sh- me of a line from Community where somebody's like, market price? What market are they shopping at? <laughs> well, we are <laughs> it's so expensive. not near the ocean is what I remind myself when we go there. Yeah, so you do have to remember ship that. that stuff in. Fred, one of the cool things, I just mentioned this about Peacemaker, is there's all these pictures, yeah. um, big giant photographs in Peacemaker of fishermen and people there. And those are real photographs. Kevin hired somebody to go out there at the place that supplies a lot of his seafood. The real guys that supply the f- seafood are pictured in there. So I thought that was wow, a nice that's touch. Beautiful. Cool. Yeah. That's beautiful to see all those cool. pictures. That really is cool. Cool. Now, one more question, though. When you guys say you don't like seafood, yeah, is that because have... you don't think you like it or because you don't want to try it or what? That's a good what? question. I uh, like it. I think lobster is too much work. 
Well, that's not an excuse, Fred. <laughs> no, I know. Okay, what's well, yours, Abby? I'll shrimp. I don't. I just don't like the fishy taste. I don't. It, but I there's don't a lot of fish that does not have a lot of fishy taste, yes. right? Yeah. If you get a so milder it's a fish, thing too. it could be a texture I, thing. I can't really pinpoint it. Okay. Most of the time when I eat it, I start to feel sick after, though. Wouldn't be well, then I'd stop. I would, I would not continue. Yeah. That's yeah, a good answer, Abby. I don't mess with it most of the time. <laughs> uh, 75 years ago today in 1949, RCA introduced the 45 RPM vinyl record. I love this story. How about it? I saw this on the Twitter today. It made the 7-inch disc the new standard for records. I owned a few. Fred, did you have oh, some yeah. as a kid? Yeah, Mark, like, well, I assume. We'll keep us together. Oh, All that's sorts of stuff like that. I had. I know, well, you know, and we'll get no, into it's this. Cute. I have, I have a job type of story that we're going to get to with, uh, with Alex Rich, and you know, I, I worked in the record business and with radio, so I had a lot of records, and the record companies would send out forty fives. I oh, had wow. thousands of them. Oh my god, thousands of them. Then, when I had my first house with my ex-wife, we had an attic in the garage, and I was dumb enough to put the damn. I've done so many dumb things, and I can. T- I put the damn records in the attic, and they all melted. I have all oh, my all my thirty oh. threes. But all, what would you do with them now, right? Well, forty fives. It's a good question. Although there They're were some back. in there that were very unique, yeah, and oh. I wish they melted. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Uh, and on this day in history, a little music with this one. Sixty-eight years ago, in nineteen fifty-six, Elvis recorded this song. Well, since my baby left me, well, I found a new place to dwell. Well, it's down at the end of Lonely Street that. Well, I'll tell you, the reason we bring this up is because this became his first million seller. Yeah. First of many is what I'm guessing. Yeah, probably. But yeah, that was 68 years ago today. It always makes me think of Jane Duker, who loves the Elvis. And then Mark brought this one up. 25 years ago today was the premiere of The Sopranos. On wow. HBO, twenty-five what? years, people. What a difference maker that show was, and I was a huge fan. Fred, did you watch it or not? I can't remember. I watched one season, then I thought it was just a little bit too brutal. Well, I, I, I can see that. I, I understand yeah. how you would think that because it was at times. What I would say about The Sopranos, and you know, there've been a lot of shows that have followed along these lines. Great dramas. I put Mad Men into the category Breaking Bad, but all those shows have what I refer to as, and I can't say this word on the radio. Holy blank moments. Yeah, oh, for Where you're sure. watching. And there would be right. some episodes that were, you know, a little slower. And then all of a sudden, when you were least expecting it, someone gets whacked or something else happens that just kind of blows you away. And the Sopranos oh, yeah. did that exceptionally well, right? Yeah. Gandolfini was so good. Michael Imperioli, the whole cast, everything well came together. Yeah. The other thing is, just a little, uh, little Mark Reardon trivia, because I know, come on, people are interested in that. <laughs> this was um, the, wait, I hit the wrong thing. That's the Sue's News. This was the theme to my show for at least 15 years. It oh, opened my right? show. It opened my yeah. show in Milwaukee. When I was there, it opened my show on KMOX, and this is tied into The Sopranos because this is the great R.L. Burnside, great blues man who really didn't even have professional success in music until he was in his 50s. He died a few years ago. This song is called It's Bad You Know. It's on the original Sopranos soundtrack. There are a couple. I think they did like a version two because music was very important to David Chase. I actually talked to David Chase about this particular song wow. at one point, but man, I just love this song so much. R.L. Burnside. Bad, you know. Anyway, there you go. A little That's Sopranos cool. history for you here this afternoon. Let me go back to the uh, thing that I accidentally turned off here a minute ago. There you go, Okay. Sif. Broadway, uh, 
which unfortunately lately has been about as creative as Hollywood, uh, has uh, come up to st- with this idea. Their latest idea for a stage musical is Prince's Purple Rain. Now, I'm not sure that would be that bad, but um, I don't know. I mean, the, because you can see it staged, right, in your head. I can. Can I just tell right. you something? There's just and, no original. Exactly. Can I admit something here? Because yeah. I, I was doing a couple of things with the transition, and when you said that, I swear to God, my brain told me that you said Princess Purple Rain, not Prince's Purple oh, Rain. Oh, that's I'm like, funny. wait, what am I missing here? Princess Purple Rain, <laughs> who's that? Sorry. <laughs> and then I had to think about it. Ah, uh, yes, the latest but thing with the kids. I think that that would potentially work. I can kind of see it. Sure. It's just, you're right, Fred, it's just nothing new. Producers say, quote, we can't wait for a new generation to discover Purple Rain and for lovers of the original film and album to experience its power once again. Of course, who are you going to get to be Prince? He's You can't replace him. I was going to say irreplaceable. That's a word, isn't it, Prince? It is. Okay, thank you. Just checking. How about the guy that does that commercial, the soda commercial? Which one? He's like, yeah, that's the guy from American Idol, Justin Greeny, who uh, oh, finished second to. Maybe he can. He's the guy who finished second to Kelly Clarkson in the first. Oh, okay. And he's good, actually. You know what? Because he kind of looks like Prince. Right. Well, he's white, but well, he looks a little like him. Yeah. That. Except that. Well, yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, this is the 40th anniversary. Well, this year is for the uh, um, album Purple Rain. It came out in 1984. We got a lot of big old albums that are well, turning forty let's this year. Highlight those. Oh, we will. I've got a whole list for that tomorrow. That was um, look. That was a big year. It was my first year at Mizzou, and I was playing a lot of alternative music, doing some college radio back then. So I'll be curious to see oh, yeah. what records come up here. We'll hit those uh, with you tomorrow. Sue's news is brought to you by Mister Appliance. Speedy expert service. Go to MisterAppliance.com. I found this interesting, but I find this stuff interesting. Here we go. The person in charge of the Library of Congress is officially called the Librarian of Congress. And they get appointed by the president and approved by the Senate. And that person now makes around $220,000 a year. The current one is Carla Hayden. And she has been the Librarian of Congress since 2016. I knew that. I knew that there was a Librarian of Congress. What I I did did not not know is that they were paid two. Two hundred twenty grand. Is that good. more than senators? Or that's a good question. That actually is a good question. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, there. I thought they were in the like one eighty range. Yeah, or something I thought they like were that, around one eighty. Right? Yeah. Well, there well, you senators. Them. The thing is, you say that about oh, senators. That's All the true. members of the Senate, maybe except for Eric Schmidt, they they don't really care because they have so much money anyway. But the House members, that does make a difference yeah. too. Yeah. Well, there you are. That is Sue's News for this Wednesday afternoon. Alex Rich from Y98 coming in here. We'll talk about a few things. We have Phil Holloway in the next hour. Jimmy Page turned 80 years old today. Okay, we're trying to confirm a story here, and it is literally just breaking here in the last 15 minutes. Um, Nick Saban's retiring in Alabama. That that is a big sports story. Alex Rich from Y98 swings in. You told me about this. I couldn't find it originally on the uh, ex formerly Twitter, yeah, but I guess right now it's sources. Coach Nick Saban, who won six titles at Alabama, is retiring. So that that's a big, big moment. It's um, huge for yeah, college football. I would say there's probably no bigger name in all of college sports, period, than Nick Saban at this point. So anyway, that's that's an interesting development. How are you? Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year to you guys. I want to start here with something that Sue did yesterday. And Sue, I want to give um, the background. So I want to have you give the background to Alex and to the audience. And then I mentioned this yesterday, and I went and pulled the audio of this TV report from Arizona that happened 
I'll have to look at the date, but this is at least eight years old. But oh, wow. along the lines of what you did, but th- this is pretty cool. And I've said before, Alex, I wish I would wish that someone like you, that everyone could go through the exercise that Sue had yesterday with okay. the FBI. It was um, National Law Enforcement <laughs> Awareness Day. Okay. And they sent out a thing for different media people. I mean, uh, uh, Reardon has already done this, but- we went to, I went to the FBI one. You could go to the FBI or the police, local police, and they put you in a simulation as a police officer like or a shooting a, simulation. A shooting simulation. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it was unbelievable. Who is they this used the for? technology. Well, the FBI did it. So she was in front of a screen. You had a fake yeah. gun, right? Mm-hmm. And the gun, you could fire it at the screen. And what they do, and this is what happened when I did it, they run you through a variety of scenarios, and then you have to decide whether or not. To shoot the bad guy, right. and you got to be careful because mm-hmm. the bad guy might be the good guy. And you don't want to shoot grandma like or something. A child like will that. pop up every once in a while or something. S- something or, maybe. Yeah, there was a a kid, a child, well, a teenager in one of mine. Um, his father was being arrested, and you're in the scenario, Alex. So I'm an FBI agent at the back. They're arresting his father, and this kid comes out of the back, and he's a teenager, and he's got a gun held down at his side, mm. and. Uh, what do you do? It's a threat. So you're screaming at him and you have to yell in these things. I'm going, you're really let yelling. Me, yes. Let me see your hands. Let me see your hands. Drop the weapon. Drop the weapon. And he could just as easily have dropped it or he could bring it up and shoot. And uh, what do you do? Do you take that kid out? He hasn't actually shot, but he is armed. What could happen in that scenario? Right. And and sure enough, he did shoot. And I shot back, and I don't think that I hit him. But we were talking about the uh, repercussions. What if, so he could have killed me and other people there. What would the headline have been the next day? You know, officer takes down mentally challenged teen. Right. I mean, and and, and Mm -hmm. it was a danger. It's really an eye-opening experience. So it reminded me, and I went through this maybe five um, five or six years ago. I did the FBI Citizens Academy. I I said at the time when I came out of it, I said, I wish everyone could experience the same thing. This sounds intense as can be. Yes. Well, it's it's eye-opening. So that reminded me, and I just looked here. This is from Fox 10 in Phoenix, Arizona. It's from nine years ago. So, boy, you know. Yeah, that's after that's after Mike Brown because we're going to be on the tenth year anniversary this coming year, right? Okay. That was so. It's after Mike Brown and other shootings, and here's how they set it up because this is someone who was involved in some of the protests. Reverend Jarrett Maupin led protests and marches after Phoenix police shot and killed an unarmed man. Well, tonight he gets a chance to experience the split second decisions that police have to make when encountering a suspect. So the reporter here is a guy named Troy Hayden. A little different than what you did, Sue, because in that I did, they don't use a screen here. They're actually using real people in the shooting scenario. And here's what it sounded like here. You might recognize him as a high-profile organizer in the minority community. Just last month, he led marches on Phoenix Police Headquarters after an officer shot an unarmed man. We want his badge. We want his gun. We want his job. Today, he accepted an invitation to look at things from the other side agreeing to go through a force-on-force training session with the Maricopa County Sheriff's Office. Three scenarios where you have to decide to shoot or not shoot. First of all, I give credit to Reverend Maupin. You heard the audio. He was the one screaming about the shootings there. He said, okay, I'll do this. So they had scenarios. Scenario one what, what is a call about a man casing cars in a parking uh, lot. Maupin approaches the man and starts asking questions. What? Uh, you hand you're gun? looking for your vehicle. What kind of car do you drive? Where you have your gun? What kind of car do you drive? This is my car, man. And he grabs a gun. Moppin, the officer, is shot. It happens that fast. 
At what time did you think that it was time for you to address the use of force that was given? When he came to the back of the vehicle okay. uh, and, and was hiding. You know, I could sense something Something was wrong. Everything was fine, and then he goes behind yeah. the vehicle, and before he can even say anything else, the guy Boom. pulls a gun, and, and then he's dead playing, playing the yeah. cop. Uh, one of the other scenarios was there was a disturbance in a parking lot, and there was a guy that was approaching him. He had his weapon drawn. The guy wouldn't back off. He didn't know if the guy was armed or not. Tell me why you shot. Well, I, I've shot because he was within that zone. You know, I felt there was a, an imminent threat. I, I didn't necessarily see him armed, uh, but he, he came clearly to do some harm to uh, to the officer or to my person it's hard to make that call it's a uh, it shakes you up and I think the yep. the reporter I think this is the clip the reporter says he did the same thing he went through the exercise as well I went through the scenarios too without seeing what Maupin did well, uh, do you have keys or uh, do you have anything to show me that yeah, no I need to talk to you come on come on out over here oh. well I'm dead yeah he yep. was dead the takeaway from the Reverend I didn't understand how important uh, compliance was, but but after going through this, yeah, my attitude has has changed. Uh, it, this is all unfolding in in 10 to 15 seconds. Um, people need to comply with the with the uh, orders of law enforcement officers for their own sake. Compliance is a big issue. It Let's is. face it. If you look it at is. some of these police shootings and you look at what happened before or after, I mean, you can even point to George Floyd, and you know that whole thing has still gotten so mangled. There's someone from Minnesota. I'm a little disappointed because there's a woman in Minnesota that did a documentary on George so really, Floyd, mm -hmm. and I've watched some of it, but we can't seem to get her on the air. Mm. And I think it's something that people should, should see. see. But even in that situation, there there's certainly questions about. Well, look, I, I, I'm in the, the uh, maybe I'm in the minority camp here. I think the whole George Floyd thing just got completely out of hand, and Derek Chauvin should not be in prison for as long as he is, and mm. that's mm -hmm. the way it is at this mm -hmm. point. Uh, anyway, I just thought that was interesting, and very few people have the opportunity to do what you did yesterday and what that reverend did, but I'm telling you, it would offer a different perspective yes. based on the way that you have to react, the, the, the speed in which you have to react. And we addressed this with Jay, Jay Greenberg from the FBI yesterday. That really, to me, you know what jumps out is experience. Because mm -hmm. if you're a young, inexperienced officer, you're going to probably do things differently than someone who's seasoned and has had experiences with bad guys For sure. over the course and of you time. Yeah, no doubt. know where they can hide things. I mean, uh, I talked about this yesterday, Alex. There was a suspect standing in a doorway and he was pretty tall and you know you got to watch for the hands they teach you that yeah. before you go in and his hands could almost touch the top of the doorway but he walked out and he's got his hands up hands up don't shoot he's saying he's only wearing white shorts so you're looking at the hands you're looking at the shorts your gun is drawn but he starts engaging them talking about what you guys do with my dog and in a split second he reaches up grabs a gun yeah. right off from the door and shoots me i was dead I don't know how I would do in that situation. I think I'd I'm be dead telling with you. you. Because, if, if, because you don't see a gun at that time, and if you just shoot him, well, he does. he's not armed yet, but boy, it took less than a it's second for him to pull sure. that. Yeah, it yeah, was crazy. It happens very quickly. Um, I want to cover a couple other topics, but I, I thought you'd find that interesting soon. I can forward that yeah. whole TV report to you. Think oh, you'd thank find you. It yeah. Interesting. Do you guys know who, um, I had to refresh Fred's memory because he's been with us in the studio, but if I say the name, I think you're going to know it, Alex. Michael Rappaport. Of course. Yeah. Do you know who Michael Rappaport is? I know. You'll well, know his face. You see him right there? Oh, He's yeah. He's an actor and comedian. Yeah, yeah. He plays a pretty big role on Howard Stern's show. He's a wild guy. He does fantasy football with Howard Stern. <laughs> he can be so crass. He does stand-up. I like Michael. I think he's funny. Sometimes he's been in he's, a lot of movies. He has. Sometimes he's in character and he's acting like a jerk when he's in character. But this is you're going to like this, Alex. Yeah. So did you watch the Golden Globes at all? 
I did. You did? I have, a, I have a, my own review. You're the one. I thought Joe Coy was horrible. He was horrible, but Hor- horrible. I don't even know if I put all that in Joe Coy because it's a tough room and he only had a yeah, few but days he gave, to. I, so did I, you know who he was? I had heard of him, but you know what he did that I heard is like the number one thing you don't do is you throw the riders under the bus. I know. He did he do that. He threw the riders yeah. under the bus. That's not a good thing. It was a bad look. I think in the moment he was a little freaked out. Look, that, that is a tough tough gig, like sure, I said. Sure, but you know. But here's the observation that Michael Rappaport had. I should probably save this for audio cut of the day, but my, oh, I know, my I Jewish know. brother yeah. Alex Rich is here. Listen to this. I'm embarrassed, literally. And it, it, it takes a lot for me to get embarrassed. I'm embarrassed that not one person said one thing, unless I'm mistaken, at the Golden Globes the other night about the 133 hostages that were kidnapped in broad daylight from Israel on October 7th. All that billion-dollar Barbie feminism and all these young, conscious actors and actresses and there's hostages that are the exact same age as them, and not one actor, not one director, not one producer, not one comedian, nobody said anything before the Golden Globes, after the Golden Globes, during the Golden Globes, not one person said anything. I'm not naming names because nobody said anything. I can't name names. I don't know what's going on, but I will say on behalf of actors, I apologize for them. I apologize to Israel. I apologize to the hostage families. I thought that was interesting on the part of Michael mm-hmm. Rappaport, and that's gotten some coverage today in the Hollywood Reporter and Variety and some of the trade well, magazines. He, he's, he's constantly you you see his videos, man. He is he's he's I I love I love him. I think he's great. Hang tight. We got one more topic about Gen Z and how much they want to work, and we'll get to that. Coming up next, interesting day in sports. We have um, Aaron Rodgers getting kicked off Pat McAfee's show. He's gone. Pat announced that. We have Nick Saban retiring at Alabama. And I missed this one. Fred just brought up Pete Carroll is out at Seattle. He didn't get fired. They're moving him into an advisory role. How about it? So, that, that boy, those are big jobs that are open. And up. do we think Harbaugh is going back to Michigan? Or does this... You know, there's different conventional conventional wisdom on that. I, I, I hear people saying, you know, maybe San Diego, but... The people that I trust covering it in college athletics think he's staying. Yeah, why would he? Yeah, I, I know. Why go to the NFL when uh, you have Although all that success the recruiting, there? It, it is. Yeah, I've had this conversation with people. The re- the recruiting in college is a whole lot. You know, well, it's the wild west. It's a whole right lot now. different. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. There's no lack of jobs opening in football right now. Alex, I'm particular want your. I think response to this, we've all talked about this issue before, Sue and Fred, with um, maybe an unwillingness to work on the part of younger people or maybe just having expectations that are different. So this is one of those viral things that went out there on TikTok and and Instagram from a Gen Z person who you can see. Now, I don't know if this plays into the argument or not, but you can kind of see she's wearing a badge and she works at Walmart. But just listen to what she says here. I cannot stand how the news has been dogging Gen Z and calling them lazy for not wanting to work a nine to five for the rest of their lives. Let me put it in perspective for everybody who's a little confused here, okay? I work five days out of the week, 40 hours a week, okay? I do not make enough to live on my own. I would not make enough to pay rent, water, electric, and eat all by myself. 
I would not be capable of doing that. 20 years ago, when you were getting started, you could live on your own. All right, let me address that. That's Who's she's so girl? mad that, at? That is not true. No. Okay, now, I, I don't know how to explain this to you, but look, I, I, I've worked in radio my whole career. I barely made enough money to feed myself with roommates, but right. I had two roommates sometimes, not just one, because I couldn't afford to pay rent in all my bills. Right. So you got to do what you got to do. I don't know a lot of people ever who have come up through their, their 20s and just lived on their own because they can do it financially right out of the gate. I so know. she's way off base on that. I started, mm-hmm. I lived with my parents for a long time. Alex, you've yeah. had roommates. I've had roommates. You, do you have a roommate now? My, you girl, had a roo- my girlfriend's well, I know, my but roommate you had now. You I had, had another roommate for a while. Uh, I lived, a buddy of mine lived with me for... Five years. Right, exactly. All right, so a little bit more here. 20 years ago, when you first started, you were able to do everything that I am now struggling to do. Nope. You have 20 years of experience in a career that has allowed you to gain raises, to get more money, to profit you in an economy that you created. You can sit here and you can call Gen Z lazy all you want, but I've been working my tail end off just to barely make it by. And respectfully, I don't want to do that for the rest of my life. I don't want to work my tail end off wasting all of my life working just to barely be able to pay my bills and that is what you created not gen z we're just here getting started you've been doing it for the last 20 years you tell me how it got ruined so i think this is important for a variety of reasons because she speaks for i'm I'm just telling you right now okay but she speaks for the masses and, and unfortunately in gen z and i think that this is problematic because there is this expectation you know i was telling abby this and fred i think maybe fred and sue can relate to this as well but Back when I was in the 80s, when I was starting in radio, this would go into the early 90s, certainly for sure. And I was a I was a news director for a while. Like I worked at times 50, 60 hours a week. I didn't get any overtime for that. I was a salaried employee at this company in Columbia. And I worked every Saturday morning I would come in because I felt like I couldn't get my work done during the week when I was trying to operate the newsroom. I'd go in on Saturdays. It was like a routine of mine. I'd get up, I'd go, I'd take care of some stuff that I needed to take care of. Nobody was there. And there was never, ever a time up until when I came here to St. Louis that I didn't work six days a week because either I was going in on Saturdays like that in Columbia or I had a show on Saturday or Sunday morning. And it wasn't like, like now today if you do that, this is because things have changed. Let's say a radio person's doing a weekend show and they have a five-day-a-week show. Well, they'd say, well, we got to take you off Friday. You can only work five days a week, right? Because we're not going to pay you for that. We didn't do that back then. They just, I didn't get extra pay because I was working six days a week. It's just what you did. Yep, that's exactly right. I do agree with you. And work today is, is it's, di- it's different. Like, it just because you're not necessarily in the office nine. Like, she talks about being in the office nine to five and working, you know, all these hours a week. I think there's a lot of people that work just as hard that aren't in the office and their 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 job consists of different things, sure right? It does. Right. Like I, I, I don't know. I don't consider some of the things that I do work, but that's because I guess I enjoy like playing the guitar and stuff like that. But I do it because I want to make more money. Well, look, you're a good example of this because you have multiple roles. You do the side gig with the guitar. Right. You're very active on social media. You've cobbled things together, and you make more money because of that. I see, and, and this is it's tough to generalize because there's really hardworking kids out there from good families. They understand the importance of a work ethic, and they're successful. Uh, Fred's got two sons that are great examples of that, and they've been very, very successful. So I don't want to paint with that broad of a brush, but I also wonder how much effort on the part of some young people, sounds like not much from her, goes into what she thinks her future might be. You have got to be aggressive. 
And it's so easy to do that these days. You can text message and email people. You don't have to send send half, you know, handwritten thank you notes, no doubt. et cetera. So I just thought that was an interesting um, you know, moment from Gen Z that I wanted your reaction yeah, to. Yeah, I'm 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 just waiting to figure out who she's so angry at. You know, when I was uh, a sophomore in college, I was aware of a program that CBS Records did on college campuses called College Rep. And, and I was wanting to be in the music business at that point. And I literally, this is a true story, I literally found out who the person was who had the job currently at Mizzou, and I stalked him. I'm, I'm not lying. I, st- <laughs> I found out who he was. I went to the library I didn't know him. I introduced myself. We ended up being roommates, and I ended up doing that job because I wanted to do right. the job, and I was right. aggressive. And I did everything I could put myself in front of people to do that. you got to make a little effort, Walmart employee, and maybe you'd be a little bit more successful if you do that. Get more at 971talk.com.